Welcome to Parallel, a tech podcast with accessibility sprinkles. I'm Shelley Brisbane, your host. This is episode 59, all about the Apple things. Well, we've had a few days since the Apple announcement. By the time you hear this, it might be a week or so since the Apple announcements of new phones and new watches, new iPads and iPads mini, uh, and the operating system should have been released. The operating systems, I should say should have been released and on your phones and other devices by the time you're hearing this. I wanted to talk about the Apple announcements with a couple of folks who I know are following them closely. And my first guest is Ken Wright, a return visitor to the show, the host of Mac OS Ken, The Checklist, In a Few Minutes, so many other things. Hello, Ken. Hey, Shelley. How's it going? It's going well. And my other guest is an editorial team member at AppleVis, one of the leading accessibility-related sites to do with Apple stuff. It's Thomas Donville. Hi. Hey, Shelley. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. It's good to have both of you because I know you probably were uh, following the Apple event this week as closely as I was. And as I as I said earlier, what I'm really interested in is not so much like the hot takes because we all did that, uh, but but the what what have you been thinking since? So let's just kind of go through the the categories and and feel free to talk as little or as much about one of these as you like. If I say iPad ninth generation and you say ho hum, that's cool. Or if you you know, write me an essay, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but but let's start with the iPads. So we have a, a new uh, entry-level iPad, and we also have the iPad mini. And I'm, I'm just going to put them together because they are both part of the line. So, uh, Thomas, are you an iPad person? Do you have them? Do you like them? Do you use them? I used to have an iPad. I don't have one at the moment. But I was surprised that they mentioned the iPad at all in this keynote. I was not expecting a iPad, but the regular iPad, you know, the, the announcement on this is interesting because the entry models have always been great. I love the iPads and I prefer the mini than any other version myself. Do you feel like anything about them, the ones that they announced are compelling enough that you would go out and get one? To just make a pointer out there for those that didn't know, the regular iPad itself, I thought the base model, a lot of people didn't talk about, that it got rid of the 32 gigabit models, and it's now 64-bit models on the regular iPad. And I thought that was a huge bump for those with entry-level iPads. And I think the iPad, the entry-level, is awesome for any general users out there that just wants a good, solid tablet for educational. For me, I was really interested in this iPad mini. That has always been my love, as in the form factor is perfect for me. And I thought this was probably the biggest news that they announced in this keynote period. Just basically because, you know, they rearranged the Touch ID to the top now to the top right section, which means the iPad, the entry level is the only one left with the home button. Ouch. Um, which is interesting. That, and that could be for another topic and such, but that um, you going to with the USB. Whoa. Um, to me, that was kind of a big deal. And because I don't think people realize having interface with the USB-C is so much faster because the old lightning cord, we're talking about 10 times factor faster with the USB-C. So I think this was a very welcome um, thing, especially if you do a lot of transferring from your iPads and back and forth, because as you know, that could be pretty slow um, going airdrop and such. But the biggest factor I also think is that Air Pencil 2.0 
um, I was like, oh my gosh, so this is not only is it magnetically to be attached, but it also charges that pencil. Well, Thomas, let's uh, put a pin in it, as it were, and talk about the pencil in a little bit, because one of my favorite questions to ask people who are voiceover users is what you love about the pencil. But I'm going to get to that in just a bit. And, and Ken, you are somebody who, on a daily basis, is looking at the prognostications and the rumors and, and what is to be expected. So I guess I'm wondering what you th- thought of the iPad announcements and were they pretty much what you were expecting before the keynote event happened? There were... A number of people, I want to say that Allison Sheridan was one. I know that Richard Gunther was another. Uh, people who have been on shows of mine who are, were very excited about the possibility of the iPad Mini. It was it was their excitement that even got me to pay any attention to it. Um, kind of like Thomas, if you had asked me, I don't know what I would have said about will there be an iPad or an iPad update. I knew there wouldn't be an iPad Pro because that'll be later this year if that's going to happen. So it makes sense that they actually went ahead and did the uh, the ninth generation or whatever it is, the entry-level iPad, because I feel like either they do that for an educational event or they do that here. So was I expecting it? No. Was I surprised? No. Um, the weird thing to me, and it's because size matters. I understand. I understand why the iPad mini costs $500, while the regular iPad costs three twenty nine to get into, I get it, and yet I look at that and I think, well, you know, where's all my space? I, I'm not going to pay, you know, so much more money for so little. And then they said things during the uh, keynote, like, you know, when you're flying a plane and it's strapped to your leg, <laughs> right? <It's> like, okay, <laughs> I, I forgot about when I do that because that, you know, with my iPad, it does make it. Don't very forget difficult. curing cancer, or whatever those doctors were doing. Yeah, that was that's kind of cool. I mean, I get. I, I, I've often wondered why the iPad Mini sticks around, and it's interesting to hear Thomas say that he's hugely into it, and and like I said, uh, uh, a couple of other people that I've talked to this year are hugely into it as well. I I have tended to think of it as basically the enterprise device in a way, like for people who you're sending out in the field, you want them to have something that's full featured, but not something they need another case for or something like that. And to me, I mean, it's the perfect size for like reading a book. The only problem is if I've got an iPad, that's the surest sign that I'm not going to be reading a book. Even if I sit down to do that, almost immediately there's going to be some notification. I'm going to check news or something. I've got... I've got a Kindle because my Kindle is only good for reading and that's all I want to do when I'm doing that. So I, I, I you know, I, I think they're cute. I, I wish they cost less because if they cost less, I would have one. But, you know, they get to a point that it's like, well, they're cute and I'm glad some people love them. And I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and keep playing with my seventh generation now. <laughs> <sighs> iPad. It seems like that enterprise factor is why they would have updated it because it's one of those products like the Mac Mini that every once in a while they look back and they go, oh yeah, we haven't done anything with that in a while. And then they do a big update. Mm -hmm. And for those who are casual users, and I had, I think, a second gen iPad Mini and I really liked it and I did use it for reading, but it felt like it got old very quickly, very much more quickly than the iPads, the processor at at that time wasn't really competitive with the processor and the big iPads. And so I, I have not had it since. But uh, yeah, except for the flying a plane part, I, I don't think I'll be getting an iPad mini, but it, <laughs> it does seem like a great device and I'm, I'm glad they updated it. I am interesting for one factor and that because ever since they kind of made a huge push for the iPad OS itself. So you're now 
starting to do the multifunctionality, multitasking. You got the split view. Um, I am curious because I've not got to play with it because the when I had the iPad Mini before, it really didn't have a lot of that factor, and and it really didn't make a big difference for me. I think the only big difference for me was the battery. It just lasts forever, and you hardly ever have to charge it, and that's compelling. But with this new iPad OS, I I wonder how that experience would differ, and I think these are the the go-to device for sure. If you want to make it into a kind of a mini computer, obviously it's not going to replace your computer, but if you're a hardcore keyboardist, I think this might be something you want to look at. So that's just my two cents. Um, you know, another announcement that didn't make um, any note is that this no longer has any audio jack. I said, Oh, wow. That's something I didn't know about. Um, that's super interesting. <laughs> it is. They dropped the audio jack on that. And, what I'm really kind of surprised as well is the A15 processor that they put into this iPad mini, which I can't figure out. Maybe you guys can help me on this, but supposedly they clocked down the speed on this compared to the iPhone A15. So you're getting a slower A15 processor than you are getting on your iPhone. I can't figure it out other than maybe they're trying to make it slimmer. I, I, I'm just that kind of baffles me. I would guess it's battery life, but I don't know. I mean, that they, you know, that does, it's a smaller device than the big iPads. Uh, I don't actually know anything about that. I'm just going off the top of my head, but. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, no, it's, it's, this is the first year that they have split the chips in different ways. And we'll get more into it in the iPhone, but um, they have, there's three different types of A15 chips that were mentioned in this product. And one of those is an iPad mini. So the A15 is slower and different than you get on your iPhone cousins. So I was like, hmm. But I might, I'm thinking about it because it's been a long time. This would be something I would like. I love the size factor. I don't have any vision. So this would be something that would be perfectly um, size fit, but it has the battery that I want. The you oops. a braille screen input guy? I am not. It seems like the mini is kind of a perfect size for that because the iPad, you kind of get lost, but then the phone is way too small. But I know actually when I first started using Braille screen input, which I don't use hardly at all, I only use it for research purposes, but I remember using it on the iPad mini and thinking that is just the right size for that. That is true. It is perfect for hands. Um, I would probably use a QWERTY keyboard than using the Braille. The one thing I'll say about the ninth generation iPad, and, and I know this because I had a seventh gen iPad and then it broke thanks to an animal that lives with me. Uh, and I got an eighth gen iPad and that came out last year. So they're, they're upgrading these iPads, even on the low end, on a more or less annual basis. At least they have been for a little while. And mm -hmm. obviously the new chips may have something to do with it. But that's super intriguing because I don't think they're going to be upgrading the iPad mini every year unless I'm completely wrong about that. I wonder if it's partly because the uh, the uh, the regular iPad is for school, right? I mean, they build yeah. it as an education iPad half the time. Whereas, if you have, I mean, if we if we go with the idea that a lot of the mini is for the enterprise, you kind of want to know that okay, this thing that I'm going to buy is going to be what's going to be the best thing for a while, in a way, right? I mean, maybe not. I could be completely wrong about that, but I I can't imagine. It's sort of like when they said, we're making the move to the M1, but don't worry, we're going to be supporting Intel for a number of years. That's sort of Apple saying to business, 
all those Macs that you were planning to buy next year, go ahead and buy them because we're going to stand behind them for X number of years. Right. You're not going to be, you know, iced out. You're not going to be sitting there going, well, we haven't been able to move our workforce ahead three years because, uh, you know, they stopped supporting this two and a half years ago or something. Right. And, but again, sort of like you said a minute ago, that's just off the top of my head. Well, before we uh, jump into Apple Watch, I do want to pick back up on the Apple Pencil conversation because the big iPad, um, it's the ninth generation, for, for lack of a better word, because I don't know if they officially call it that, uh, supports the 1.0 Pencil, but the iPad Mini supports the newer one. And Thomas, I'd just like to hear from your perspective as a voiceover user, uh, what's your relationship with the Pencil? You say you don't have an iPad right now, but you seem to be pretty excited about that idea. You know, the stylus has always been kind of a big thing. So as a trainer, I get lots of users that get these iPads. And believe it or not, a lot of them are getting this iPad Pro, which blows my mind. It's like they don't really need a Pro. But anywho, my point is the pencil, I have a lot of people that just cannot get that swiping down. And so this pencil, if it helps me with the stylus in any way, and I hope it does, that allows you to swipe a lot easier and get through the screen for um, those with some sort of a dexterity issue. Because I think a lot of the issues that I come across is such a shoe screen real estate that it is kind of hard to do a swipe because we've gotten so used to the iPhone because it's a small and you just go flick, flick, flick because you only have a small real estate on the iPad. You kind of like, you see the people just being kind of dramatic and then they just got to go, Whoa, swipe, do this really long swipe. And it doesn't work the way it's supposed to. And and trying to get them to just just do little, just do little swipes, just a little, not long ones. And I just find that a lot of people with a stylus or pencil have a lot better um, mobility in terms of getting around a little better with the gestures. So it doesn't necessarily have to be an Apple pencil, any kind of stylus would get you started, but Apple Pencil obviously has better integration for not necessarily voiceover specifically, but I, I know a couple of people who actually really like the Apple Pencil and use it, even though they're they're primarily voiceover users. Yeah, you know, this darn stylus, they're so fat. I'm not, Yeah, <laughs> I'm that's not true. Gonna, and, and I'm not a big fan of the stylus that are big or fat. Um, it just doesn't, I don't like it. The, the Apple Pencil seems to be a little more fine point, and I seem to feel like I can really hone in that area. Um, I like to use Apple Pencil to, I get a lot of people that have to sign their signatures after training, I have to have them sign something. And just having an Apple Pencil just makes it feels like, wow, this is like a real pen. And so the experience I've had it with it is been accessible. Now, of course, I haven't tried this scribble stuff with the uh, pencil. I would be curious if that works really well. If so I, that's another thing I would like to look into. Ken, are you a pencil guy? I have one. <laughs> I got uh, <laughs> with the with the seventh generation iPad that I got. Because I, I, I can't remember what my iPad was before that. It was an iPad Air of some sort, but it was several years old. And so when I upgraded, I still... I have an iPad. It's sitting right here in front of me. What I mostly use it for is either watching Netflix or if I'm going to be doing some sort of show or something, I like to have a couple of uh, notes, like, you know, past Mac OS Ken scripts uh, loaded up in pages. So I bought it. I got the cheapest iPad I could, although I went with, uh, I think I stepped up one on the storage, but I did it as a Black Friday thing. So I got it as cheap as I possibly could so that I could get a pencil. 
which it's just the first generation pencil. I love drawing with it when I think about it. Uh, nine times out of 10, though, my use for pencil is when my iPad says, hey, your pencil's at 5%. It's like, oh, <laughs> I, sh- I should charge that then, right? right. And so I charge it and then I put it back in. And then like a month later, it's like, hey, your pencil's at 5%. It's like, oh yeah, that's, that's a thing I should use sometime probably. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've never had an Apple pencil and I, I consider it just something that allows me to save some money for other things yeah. because I enjoy iPads. I use them for work. I use them for fun. And and by the way, my pro tip, and not everybody chooses to live this lifestyle, but I always turn off all notifications on my iPad because one way or another I'm consuming, whether yeah. it's reading or watching video, I don't want notifications. Sometimes I will actively go read Slack or Twitter or something, but I'm not waiting for notifications. That's when I'm like, oh, let's see what's happening on Twitter instead yeah. of being called to the social media. So oh, no, my, my, my iPad lives on Do Not Disturb. The problem yeah. is I still know that Twitter is there. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I mean, yes. That's the thing. I've actually taken Twitter. That is another use that I do have for my iPad now. I've taken Twitter off my phone again, and it makes me very happy. But, of course, I work from home on a Mac, so Twitter is always there. Yep. And it's also always on the iPad. But I've actually been able to stay off it because it's off my phone again. Um but yeah, I, I keep notifications off on the iPad, but I always know there are other things to distract me. You know, oh, reading is hard. I'm going to watch a Marvel movie. This episode of Parallel is brought to you by Fastmail. Fastmail is putting you first by prioritizing privacy and usability. Unlike some other email services that can sell your information, Fastmail keeps advertisers out of your inbox by putting you in control of your data so you can focus on your workflow, knowing that your privacy is protected with a business model that leaves advertisers out. Fastmail works great with the built-in mail, calendar, and contact apps from macOS and iOS, in addition to offering a great web client. The open source elements put you in control of your workflow with all the tools you need to do things your way, so you can set up processing systems that eliminate unwanted email and prioritize what's important to you. So I have a bunch of email accounts like a lot of people do, and I use uh, automation and rules and that sort of thing to make sure that I see the email that's important, but that I don't see email that I don't want to, or that I can organize it in a way that makes sense for me. And uh, that's something Fastmail doesn't get in the way of kind of makes it easier to keep yourself organized. And a lot of people say they don't like email, but it's it's a fact of life. We all have to use email. So I like the ability to uh, automate things in Fastmail and also the ability to use it on whatever platform I happen to be using at the time. For over 20 years, Fastmail has been keeping customer data private. It's one of the longest operating and most trusted email services in the world. To be part of the very best in email, go directly to the source and try Fastmail. Just go to fastmail.com slash parallel to get started today. That's fastmail.com slash parallel for a free month and a 10% discount off your first year. Our thanks to Fastmail for their support of this show. Well, let's talk about the Apple Watch. So we have the Series 7, uh, and I should should hasten to point out, because when I started this conversation in my head, uh, I switched over to the Apple page wherein all the Apple Watches are located. And because you can't get an Apple Watch 7 yet, there are still other Apple Watches. So you can order a, presumably, you could order a 6 and an SE and a 3. And there, there's, It just looks like there's a million Apple Watches out there. And when I talked about this on Maxcessibility the day of the keynote, I was like, there 
they're doing what they do with the phone. They're, you know, backhauling all of their old Apple Watch models and making them available. I, that's not what's happening here. We're going to have the 7 and we're going to have the 3 and we're going to have the SE. But mm-hmm. so, so let me let me start off with the 7. It is a bigger screen with so which gives you more room for text and it is slightly changed in shape but not a revolutionary update. What what's what's your take on on the Apple Watch 7? I'm I'm super excited. I'm getting uh, a 7 and I'm I'm having a hard time because I think I should probably go ahead and get a 6 now because they don't seem to have changed anything except for the form factor. But the older I get, the harder it is for me to see things. There was a friend of my dad's who used to say, I need longer arms, you know, because Mm -hmm. he has a hard time reading his watch or had a hard time reading his watch. And all you're reading then was numbers, you know. So now I get like messages on my watch and I either have to go find a pair of glasses or grab my phone to see what's actually happening. So I'm super stoked about the size of the seven, um, even though. Functionality doesn't seem to have changed at all, except for the size and a few new faces. To me, the seven is all about the larger screen because the yeah. only I have a four, and I'm not unhappy with it. I can do what I do. There are just things I choose not to do on my watch because I can't read them, mm-hmm. and so that is the one thing that personally reached out to me from the event and said, "Shelly, this is for you because there's more room for mm-hmm. text." And yeah. I don't know whether I'll get it right away or not because it's the year I'm going to get a new phone. Spoiler alert. But I'm thinking about it some point in the future. Thomas, what's your take on the 7? Well, I'm curious, Kim, what Apple Watch series do you have now? Uh, so I have a f- 4, but I actually more wear the old 3 that I have. It's a weird confluence, but I ended up uh, a friend of mine very kindly. Uh, gave me a four that they were not using uh, for the health stuff, but because of the fact that I, I I can't read it, I go with the three because it's just that much bigger. Um, so that's a, a three fourth. How's that? Three fourth. I love that. <laughs> now, I want to get a better idea of what where you both were. I have a series five. So my take on it as a blind person now this bigger screen doesn't make any difference to me but to you two for those low vision of course i mean we're talking what a 20 percent bigger size from uh previous version that's that's a lot of real estate so the more real estate you can uh take to read things as for sure i think one of the biggest positive things about the series 7 that i like is the fast charging um i think a lot of people would like this quite a bit as I do with my fast charge on the iPhone. It is amazing. You can just charge for such, what is it? 45 minutes, you get what 80% back or something like that of fully charged. It was something incredibly fast. Um, so I think if you're an overnight sleeper with your watch and you can just put that on the charge on a fast charger, go to take a shower and take, get some breakfast and then get back and take your phone up or I'm sorry, your Apple watch and voila, you have it for the rest of the day where I couldn't do that now. The SC also gets a USB-C focus as well. So it, um, what I've heard is that the Apple Watch SC now comes with the USB-C um, in the box, mm-hmm. not meaning that it can't take advantage of the fast charging. You, you have to have a Series 7 to do the fast charging. But nonetheless, it's just interesting that more and more things are going to USB-C. But that the fast charging was really interesting. The other thing that I, I was just kind of like, oh, wow. Um, because I'm not sure how people follow along with FlickType, but this new Quick uh, yes. <laughs> I think it's called, is it Quick Tap? Quick Path, but remember that Quick Path has been on the phone, right? So it's a it's Quick Tap. watch version of that. So 
I was thinking, now that is a game changer for those that are blind. If you are a huge flick type user on your watch and now that it's gone, that's a whole different subject and topic for another day to discuss about. But whole oh, wow, that was if that wasn't a shot across the bow. But anywho, that feature is a huge deal for those that want to type quickly on your watch. There's so many times I want to be able to tap on it fast. And now you are able to do that with a quick tap. I never type on my watch ever. Oh, <laughs> I talk I, to it. <laughs> I have to do it because if you try to do Wi-Fi on it, you want to hook up this Wi-Fi to this watch. Oh, you can't do it from your phone. You have to. You have to scribble it, and it's hard. And now this quick tap is a kind of a thing to think about. Um, I was stunned, very, very stunned. I was just dumbfounded more than not that they stuck and say, we'll still have the entry-level Apple Series 3. I was just like, are you kidding me? Um, as much problems we have with the Series 3 now, as in not being able to, it is difficult to get that to upgrade. It is temperamental. It's getting to the end of lifespan. I, I cannot recommend anybody in my friends or circle to, I would, I would tell them, do not get a three. This is just, I, I don't know why you would do this. You probably have a year at most left um, getting upgrades and it's slow, but it is interesting that the seven only got the same processor as the six. So really you don't have a, any processor difference and four and five is pretty much the same there too. Now the disadvantage I didn't like about the seven was there's no new sensors. There's nothing, there's no health aspect to it. And so I, I just couldn't find anything in my reason to go from five to seven. I just couldn't because if they had a new sensor, that'd have been a whole different thing. But I do like the quick lightning and this quick tap. Right, let me ask you one question really quickly, if I could, Thomas. Are you loading a lot of apps or anything onto your watch or storing a lot of data or a, a media on it? Because I have had a lot of people say that about the watch and it is slow to upgrade but it's always been slow to upgrade. And I have not had, and I've heard all the reports, well, not all of them, obviously, but I've heard the reports. And so I know a lot of people are having difficulty. I'm trying to figure out how I have managed to, you know, skate through the raindrops or between them because I've never had a problem updating my watch. Well, I take that back. I might have one time had an actual problem. Every other time it's just been slow. Well, I, I, I can tell the difference in the speed when, when voiceover is on from a three to the five. It's night and day. It's okay. that big of a difference. It is a big difference. Um, loading is dog slow on a three. So if I'm loading up um, Twitter or anything like that that's intensive, um, I will use a third party that will load up my Twitter. And it is just dog slow. But on the five, it's just like, it's like, wow, it's just that big of a difference between a three and a four. But you were also saying the upgrading was slow, right? On a three, it is dog slow when it comes to updating. On my five, it's quick. I mean, I'm not saying this lightning fast, but it's a lot faster, especially just turning the watch off and turn it back on. You'll be waiting five minutes on that darn three. I mean, my guess is that the reason it's still in the lineup is 
strictly for price purposes, because if I walk into an Apple store or Best Buy or get, I'll go online and somebody says, hey, you should consider an Apple Watch, and you say, how much is it? Oh, it's three dollars or $400. I, I don't remember what the entry price for the 7 is going to be, but you, but I can get you into a Series 3 for just $200. <laughs> and for some people, even though it doesn't have the health uh, sensors, even though it's 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 quite minimal, uh, for some people, I suppose that's going to be compelling. I, I do feel like it's an experiment, not experiment, but I feel like it's a it's a no lose situation for Apple in that it's just another skew for them, and that at some point, if it stops selling, it'll just disappear. It does make it easy to take the walk up to a Series Seven. You're right, because like two hundred dollars for the Series Three is like oh, but it's only seventy dollars more for the SE. Right. Well, okay, okay, so okay, so two seventy nine. That's fine. Really though, it's just a little over a hundred dollars more for the best one. Right. right. And there, so you think, you well, <laughs> I didn't spend that much more, uh, except it's like, you know, $270 more. But, you know, since I went there in steps, it, it's almost like I didn't even, it's almost like I saved money, Shelly. Exactly. And yeah. you're, you know, you're not a frog in boiling water by any means. So. <laughs> no <laughs> way. All right. Well, um, let's uh, talk about the iPhone. And I'll introduce it by saying, we have a line of iPhones. Uh, the, the first thing I said in Mac Accessibility was welcome to the S year because it does feel like the 13s are very much S models above the 12. And that's not actually a criticism for me. I will say, though, that the most notable thing about the way they introduced the iPhones, if you ask me, is how how bright the line they want to draw between the Mini and the 13 and the Pro and the Pro Max. And they don't even call Pro and Pro Max separate devices. They're really basically saying it's the same thing. It's just one has a little bit more. And I, I feel like Apple was incredibly intentional about differentiating them. And sure, they want to upsell you to the pro if they can. But I think given that they're focused so much on the cameras with the highest end phones, they I feel like they really didn't, they wanted people to feel like they were still getting a premium phone if they got the 13 and that that was justification enough for buying into the ecosystem or getting a, you know, not getting the, the SE or the mini or whatever. So I, I thought it was fascinating the way they bifurcated that announcement. Can I ask a question really quickly? Did you participate in my Twitter poll? I did not. No, I yeah, see. <laughs> That's fine. I didn't. I, I asked the question because I sort of hit the same thing on Tuesday of thinking, OK, this is an S year. And the problem is I just put the question out there, and I think the people who didn't think it was an S year kind of got defensive. Like you, I don't think there's anything wrong with having an S year. It is kind of weird they didn't call it the 12S, but, you know, that's uh, that's fine either way. Um, of the very small group of people that participated, like 68, I think, uh, they were, um, no, what was the number? I have it written down. Hold on. I apologize. 28% it's its own thing, 72% saying yes, it's it's an S cycle year. Um, what you're talking about with the line that they drew, I honestly got confused about what was in which thing because the emphasis seemed to me to be a lot on the photography, which nearly got me just because of the macro lens. Because I love like getting really close to things and taking pictures like, you know, the real, you know, detail. But I can't see spending the extra $300 for it. Now, if they had last year's blue and that, I might have actually gone for it because, you know, I'm also... Yeah, that blue was pretty great. <laughs> vain, yeah, or shallow or whatever. But I thought the colors were kind of weak this year. The thing that I was most excited about was uh, photographic styles. 
because I understand the concept of photographic styles. A lot of times when they say it's got this depth of this and it's got this thing for that or whatever, I mean, that's seriously what I hear. Like I glazed over during the iPhone 13 Pro part of it because they start talking about this heavy duty photography stuff and I'm not that guy. But I understood the idea of the photographic styles and I thought, gee, that really tempts me to the Pro except I didn't realize that's also coming on the iPhone 13. So it's interesting that you say there's that, that they're making that very clear divide because I was surprised that uh, cinematic mode for video is, is all the way from the 13 it's Mini to the them. 13 yeah. Pro Max. Right, photographic styles is on the 13 Mini all the way to the 13 Pro Max. It's better hardware on the 13 Pro and things like the ProRes video it's kind of funny because Thomas said earlier these people are getting iPad Mini or, or iPad Pros, and I don't know why. No, it's because it says Pro, and <laughs> and if I can afford it, I'll do that, right? And I kind of I, like I want an iPhone Pro because I want an iPhone Pro, and the thing is, then I say, but I want three hundred dollars more <laughs> or five hundred dollars or whatever the cha- you know whatever the difference is going to be there because I know I don't do half the amazing stuff on my iPhone Eleven that my iPhone 11 can do. So it's hard for me to justify the Pro. But if it came in that blue from last year and had the macro, <laughs> I'd be all over it. But it's got that starlight, though. Starlight yeah, what, is, what is that? I starlight don't know. Midnight. It's white I, and black. Quit it. Just quit it. Just call right. it. Exactly. <laughs> sort of silvery white or whatever. I yeah. Don't, uh, yeah. 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 White and gold. Who was it? I think it was the people at iMore. Might have been Oliver Haslam. I'm not sure. Who was like, "Can we just go ahead and call Starlight Dirty White and be done with it?" Because that's, that's kind of kind of what it that, felt. That almost, if I could say that it was Dirty White, that dirty almost white. might make me tempted to buy it. I don't know. Boy, you want to hear Tim Cook introduce that, don't you? Yeah, I know, Jaws? right? Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, we have. We have no, not quite as black as you think it ought to be. And <laughs> dirty white. It's like I'm, yeah, okay, I'm cool. still a red phone. If I can't have the blue from last year, I'm still a product red. red person. But I oh, hear really? that's nice. Yeah. Well, no, we, well, so I'm sorry. It's your show. I was going to ask no, you what ahead. you're getting. What are you getting? Um, I'm probably going to get a 13. My continued explication about the S year thing is I feel like the 12 was such a good foundation and the fact that all four of those phones had the same processor and the fact that you could easily differentiate why you would pick one versus another and it was very simple and straightforward. The Mini is smaller. The Pro has better camera stuff than the than the 12. The Pro mm-hmm. Max is a little bigger. It also has slightly better camera stuff. The Pro and the Pro Max have LiDAR. And the 13... They didn't announce it in the same way because I really feel like they did want to sep- they wanted to separate out that Pro and Pro Max from the 13 and and the Mini for not even the audience that was scribbling madly or watching Twitter for the keynote because that audience is like okay what can I do to get into a Pro what can I do to justify Pro because that's the kind of audience that those things attract even though a lot of people, and certainly not me, but a lot of people are not going to use most of those photographic features. And yeah, I glazed over during the the video with the intense photography explanation and the video explanation because I just, it's just not who I am. Having mm-hmm. said that, I had a review unit of the 12 last year. I didn't get to keep it, but I had it for several months. And even on the 12, and I had the 12 Pro as well, and so I did get to compare them, but even on the 12, the camera knocked me out so much over the 10R that I have right now. That's my, my phone is three years old. It's a 10R. And so looking at the 12 camera and really wanting that phone, I feel like getting a 13, I'm still going to get such a great boost in camera and in processing power 
that I'm not I'm not going to look back. And when I hear my friends who have other tech podcasts who talk about the consumer phone as being the 13, I'm just going to let it roll off my back because I feel like. <laughs> well, it's the- <laughs> I actually had to do that earlier this week. And the problem is it's just a way to differentiate because if you say iPhone 13, it's it's their horrible naming convention. I know. I it's know. not horrible. But I mean, if you say iPhone 13, then people are going to be like, oh, like the pro well, no, no, because if I, I like Triska the Decker pro, phone, by the way, I, I, I love thank that. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, what's weird is I came up with that and I'm like, well, that's what it's going to be called. And then I completely forgot about it for the rest of the week. I think I've used it like once, but we're in agreement. That's a good use of that term. <sighs> Sorry. I went too far. <laughs> well, I, I am not in agreement with you about that word, but be that as it may, <laughs> well, I would just use agreement and move on. <laughs> Agreeance to disagree. <laughs> okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Thomas, let's talk about the iPhone 13s. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is my take on the iPhone 13. I totally agree with both of you. This is hands down. Well, then you can S stay on the model. show. That's good. <laughs> yeah. It's an S model all the way. I mean, every bit of it that I disliked the 12 came into the 13 that I did like. And that is, I'm looking at you, Mr. Battery. So I was an iPhone 11 user pro and i went to an iphone 12 pro which i currently have i was so disappointed with that battery that battery you'd be amazed what a 20 percent deduction on the battery size would do and i can feel it each and every day um so that was my biggest disappointment and so to see that they tout that they bought the battery size back up i think it was an 18 percent, so it's not a full 20 percent, but nonetheless getting an extra two and a half hours on the pro that's big. That's, that's almost three hours. I will take that. I will take every bit of it. Um, I think the 5G aspect is huge. That's why iPhone 12 is selling like hotcakes is that 5G. Um, I think you're right with the camera. For a blind perspective, now, <clears throat> yes, people keep asking me, do you think this better camera is going to give me better OCR? I said, no, not really. I mean, the, the, phone, the camera is fantastic. Um, just because it gets better and better, the OCR is still going to be remain the same. And I have, um, I'm sorry, I have to interrupt you. OCR? OCR. Octo-character recognition. Okay. Oh, you said it right. So basically just turning images into text or, or pointing at the phone. And so it's, it's now we have live text, but even before, uh, a lot of pe- blind people use their phones to take pictures of things and then generate text out of the pictures that they've taken. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Sorry to interrupt. No problem. So the camera and the video, uh, it, it does nothing for me. Now, um, now, as you both mentioned before, really, are we talking, what, let's talk about a general user out there. Are they really going to be using that cinematic video? No. I mean, first of all, it's going to be just, can you imagine the size of, that'll take up on your phone and et cetera. I, I think most of us will take the camera. And any improvement to the camera is a must. My 12, which carry over the 13, is that night sensor. That is huge. It made a big difference when it comes to being able to sense things in the dark. It was much better. So I like that. Um, For me, from a 12 Pro, I have no reason to go to a 13 because really I didn't see anything in here that I must have, per se, other than the battery. I am curious if the ProMotion would help those with low vision. If right now, if motion is an issue, 
with you. I'm curious because that refresh rate is supposed to kick up as you move your screen or I'm sorry, your finger around the screen is supposed to make it less blurry. So I'm curious how that's going to work. I So I can see my aspect for those with low vision might take advantage of the pro. But this is what I was telling you guys about earlier. This baffles my mind. So this is, comes in the A15 is different than in the pros than the lower entry models. So you got two different A15 processors. So they kind of tacked away the GPU. Um, so the pro models have the higher GPU, which makes sense for the pro motion, but we have always had the same chip. No matter what model you had, you had the same chip. Well, not this year. And that puzzles me. Now we have three different chips of the A15 and three different devices. Um, so I can see that low vision people liking the promotion, the faster refresh, improved battery is a must. I am also kind of surprised they didn't use the USB-C. Um, I know at some point it's got to be coming because if you are going to introduce cinematic and raw photos, you're talking large files, large space. I get that. But you're still using that lightning cord to transfer things over. We're talking dog slow. Um, there's a reason why the iPad Pro went with the USB-C because it's a faster transfer. So I am just confused where Apple is going with the direction. But the good news, there's no more 64 gig size models. So they all get the 128 treatment, which is awesome. I think for those with the iPhone 10 and older, would definitely benefit and with the iPhone 13. I really do. But if you have a 10R, 10S, I think you are pretty much safe um, because you're still getting the latest, greatest iOS, but you're getting all the features of an iOS. So iOS 15, you can still get all the features where an iPhone 10 and older, you're not getting all the feature of iOS 15. So that's just something to think about. Thomas, can I ask you, did you get the 12 Pro because of the LiDAR? I did. I wanted to get the LiDAR aspect of it, try that out, see what it's like. But you know what, Shelly? I thought a year from then, we would see something come out of it. And mm -hmm. I was disappointed there was no improvements to the LiDAR for this year, 13. And honestly, it's just like, bunk. it's just like, where did it go? Nobody talks about it. Nobody uses it. Yes, I've tried it with Super LiDAR and things like that. Really, I not realistically being you can't really use it realistically well I, it's not the fault of the lidar sensor and no. i wouldn't have expected hardware improvements i would have just yes. expected more software either from third parties and we're talking specifically about use of lidar for detection of objects and people as people as voiceover users use it and so that's a software thing whether it's apple or seeing ai i mean apple made a big deal last year about bringing lidar to the phones and adding people detection to the magnifier app into voiceover. And what I hoped at the time was that the LiDAR sensor would come to lower end phones. But because LiDAR is typically used for camera purposes, I guess it made sense from that point of view that they wouldn't have brought it down to the 13 and 13 mini. But I think that's why an awful lot of blind people have pro phones is because they were excited about the LiDAR. But, but again, I don't think it's the problem with the sensor. I think it's just an issue of software. Uh, now, from a, uh, an issue related to sight, I'm honestly just surprised it didn't come to the lower phones as well, because or the consumer phones as well, or whatever you want to call them. 
I'm surprised it didn't go out to more of the phones as well, because I would think you would want to get developers more excited about it, too. Because yeah, exactly. this is obviously going to play not only for you know things that we have today, but it's going to play heavily into um, the augmented reality stuff that Apple uh, totally. wants to get into, although they did not mention it for maybe more than five seconds, 10 seconds at this event. I would think that you would want it in as many people's hands as you could get so that they could see one or two really cool things and then start demanding of developers that they move more towards that. Although yeah, they I might agree. be holding off on that until they get the, you know, the glasses or whatever they're actually going to do. Maybe, but I do feel like the phone as a development platform makes a lot of sense. I yeah. mean, even when they see glasses, they're going to be prototypes to certain developers and those things are going to have other issues besides how well the LiDAR works. And it seems like the phone as a delivery system for that for a developer would be a great place to start. They haven't leaned into LiDAR the way that, that they did with, um, uh, what was the, the true motion camera, I guess. I yeah. got the iPhone, the year the iPhone 10 came out, I got the iPhone 8. Because as neat as, you know, some things were, like I guess it was the Animoji. You couldn't do that with the regular iPhone, with the iPhone mm-hmm. 8. And as neat as that was, I kind of didn't care. Again, I was like looking at, okay, well, how many of those am I going to do? Witness the fact that I've had it on my phone for the past two years, and I think I've sent two Animoji. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not been that big a deal. Um, but then Apple started doing things like in clips, you would have, uh, you would have, uh, the backgrounds that only worked if you had the true motion or the true, whatever it was called. I, I, I know I just said it and I can't remember. Apple started developing more on the consumer side, things that you needed that higher spec for. And that was the first time that I looked at it and said, oh, I made a mistake. I should have gone ahead and gotten the pro one because now there's, there's all this cool stuff that I'm missing out on. I would have expected Apple itself to start doing that with LiDAR. And so far, I think the only thing they've done that with was that uh, For All Mankind AR app that they made, mm-hmm. yeah, which you can still use with your regular phone. They just say it's better or it's optimized for the Pro with LiDAR. That's not nearly enough to get the rest of the world excited about it. And I was baffled that they did put it in the one iPad Pro, but then they neither did they bring it to the air, but more importantly, they didn't really seem to promote it as a platform for development of augmented reality, which is, I presume, why it's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah no, I, 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 I agree. I, I wonder, I mean, are we looking at the component shortages that have rocked the world since COVID-19 started a year and a half ago? Are we looking at them saying, we're going to hold some of the AR stuff until we're really ready to go with AR? I mean, are they trying to maintain price and saying, okay, we can do the really great processor, but we're going to leave LiDAR out this year? I mean, there's a lot about that's very confusing. Like, why why is that not coming yet? Or is it because... People are going to get it and go, well, you can't do anything with it. (laughs) That's a good point, Ken. I mean, I really like how you directed that. Earlier this year, we did hear that the iPhone 12 was having a shortage on the Pro models. They were having to cannibalize the um, LiDAR from the iPad line because Hmm. they just didn't have enough of that component. But I haven't heard anything since then. But, you know, not to see it across all the models was a disappointment. Not any improvements. You would think as big as they are in the AR, like you said, Ken, that you would think they start pushing that a little bit more. But I'm with Shelly. Is that the developers, I have not seen anybody taking huge leaps or advantage of this. And I think that's been a, a disappointment. And when people ask me, what do you think of the LiDAR? I said, it's lackless. I, I think the only true purpose of the LiDAR nowadays 
uh, especially in the iPhone 13, is a camera. They take advantage of that LiDAR, and I can see, and photography-wise, why that would be important. But, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty disappointing with the LiDAR myself. Well, let's talk a little bit about iOS, and I don't want to go down all of the rabbit holes of all the features. I guess what I'd love to hear from you guys, uh, and I'll give you a little time to think about it, is what are one or maybe two top features that you've either played with and liked in the betas or that you're looking forward to in iOS 15? And and Thomas, obviously, if you have anything to say about the accessibility features, that would be no, special. I don't have anything. No, nope, nothing? Okay. <laughs> Goodbye. We're done. <laughs> um, can I do the top three? Okay, sure. Go right ahead. <laughs> I can't do just one or You're two. You're ready for this. Go ahead. I was just dying at this. Um, number one is focus. That is, at first, when they introduced focus, I was like, I don't know if I'll use this, but I'd be after I've used this for a couple of months, that is a biggest thing for me. I absolutely love this focus mode. Um, what is this focus mode? If you're familiar with it, do not disturb is similar to that, but they have really enhanced it um, big times how you can use focus mode. So it's not specifically for do not disturb. It could be for work, working out and things like that. Uh, number two, my most favorite is separation with my AirTags or my iPhone. So now, instead of um, somebody saying, oh, he left something behind, it will now alert me and say, hey, did you know you, you left your backpack behind? And I was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Why they didn't introduce that when they first came out with the AirTag, I don't know. But um, now to include this with the iPhone too. So the other day, I left my iPhone um, behind by accident. And on my watch, it just goes, beep, beep. you left your iPhone behind. I was like, oh my gosh, turn around, turn around. And it would be so much easier than trying to figure out where I was, step back and it told me exactly where it was. So I love the separation. And number three is this for blind people only, voiceover quick settings. This allows us to uh, declutter our rotor. This is a godsend. This is so awesome for those who are blind. I think this would probably be just as big as for those with the per app settings for low vision. I think that's probably going to be the biggest one of everything. Yeah, I'm a fan of the per app settings for for low vision. And, and the, I have been saying for years that what accessibility needed in general was some sort of macro ability to create a set of settings. And even if it would be ideal if it were transferable from device to device via iCloud, but at the very least, let me create a bunch of settings that are either for a conditional use or for me as a user use in case I, you know, hand my phone to somebody else and they want to use their settings differently or whatever. So I feel like they're making small steps. They certainly did that with the, the commands and the activities where you could customize keyboard mapping or, or gesture mapping for voiceover and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think that's pretty cool. And the low vision settings, particularly because I, I struggle when I'm talking to people about how to explain what one low vision setting does versus another one, because in my own life, I have a set of settings, but I can't say, well, I dial this one down and I dial this one up. I just, you know, work until I get to a point that I'm I'm happy with them. So, yeah, those are fun. Um, Ken, any uh, any features you want to highlight? Uh, not being an OCR uh, user, uh, the uh, live text is like magic. Live text is like Harry Potter to me. <laughs> totally. Uh, and there are things that like um, I'll, you know, screenshot stuff on my phone when I'm working on something for Mac OS Ken. 
and I finally, you know, hit on the idea recently, like, oh, I can just read the thing on the picture into my phone and it'll dictate that. And then I can send it to myself and put it in my script. Um, so, I mean, this just eliminates that step, which is kind of cool. I am turned on by the idea of focus mode, but I know it's the kind of thing that I'll look at and go, I should really set that up. Um, just because that's the kind of person I am. I'll like, I'll, I'll be interrupted in something and go, Oh, I should, I should go and do that. But, uh, I don't, um, I get what Thomas said and I don't think this is OS specific. I think this is actually probably the phones. I get what Thomas said about the cinematic mode. I'll probably try it twice, but I'm really excited about every new tool that Apple makes available to everybody. Even if it's not something that I'm going to use, even if it's going to, you know, inspire a lot of really just, you know, awful, you know, films or, or video presentations. It's also going to give the tools to, to some people, uh, who, who would not have them otherwise. Um, uh, and that's, I mean, that's, that's true for the hardware and the software, every new thing that they come out with going back really quickly to what you said earlier, Shelley, about there's no, there's no shame in the S cycle thing. I used to, I used to say on Mac OS Ken, People would complain about, you know, things being evolutionary as opposed to revolutionary as if evolution never gave us anything. (laughs) I mean, evolutionary is huge. And the only problem is it feels slow. Right. But all the stuff that they that they uh, are adding in, even if it's not a thing that's for me, I'm excited to see all the stuff they're adding in. And so I walked away a tiny bit disappointed from the event because I want whiz bang. But I mean, the improvements over last year are are still real improvements and they're huge improvements over two years ago. And, you know, we could keep doing that further and further back. Yeah. I mean, cinematic mode does feel like one of the things that they've given us to deal to do with video that a lot of people will use. And despite, you know, on the, on the pro phones, and they, they showed examples of actual filmmakers doing actual filmmaking things. Mm-hmm. But a couple of people I've, I've heard and read this week actually posit that this is more for the either the prosumer or the serious, serious hobbyist who maybe wants to be a filmmaker. It's, you know, I don't know that Catherine Bigelow is throwing away her giant cameras in order to make <laughs> iPhone movies. Well, Steven Soderbergh <laughs> did, though. He did. He, you're right. He that's shoots very on important. iPhone. He <laughs> shoots on iPhone now, which is point. insane. Um, there's a guy named uh, Taz Goldstein who he hasn't done it so much lately, but he used to run a site called Handheld Hollywood. Uh, I had Taz. I think I started talking to him like seven or eight years ago, maybe even a little bit longer than that. And with I want to say an iPhone 4s or an iPhone 5, he was saying that you could replace ten to twelve thousand dollars worth of equipment on any film set that you normally go to with an iPhone, mm-hmm. and that was five or six iPhones back now. Yeah. So I mean, it's it, it, it it's it's just stunning that even if most of us are only going to use it to watch TikTok, right? <laughs> even if that's all we're going to do with it, it's stunning. The, the, the or even make t- TikToks. And yeah, I mean, maybe. obviously some people are. That's shooting it, big. I don't know. It, it is. I mean, and some people, people who make TikToks are doing pretty serious stuff if they want to be competitive, because that's what it's all about with TikTok is getting people to continue to look at what you're doing. And if they want to monetize what they're doing, I mean, a lot of people are just making basic stuff and making FaceTime calls and all that sort of stuff. But but I tend to agree that as long as the new features that are added 
don't make it more complicated because sometimes I do open up the camera app and there's a, especially when I got the, the iPhone 12 Pro last year, I just opened it up and there were so many little buttons and doodads and things. And I, I did not want to be a Luddite about it, but I was just like, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what's happening. But <laughs> when I started playing with them and learned about a few of them, I discovered that there were specific ones that I liked and that I could just, you know, and I played a lot with light settings and a lot with the automation that lets it help, has it determine what light, what amount of light you need for the pictures you're taking. I took some amazing pictures in my backyard in the middle of the night that were without mm. a lot of fussing. So yeah. I love that stuff. I'm, I'm excited about the uh, photographic styles for that. Yeah. I mean, because like you go in and you like mess with all those things. And the next time you take a picture, I don't know if those settings stayed or not. I like the idea that I'll be able to go, right, you know, golden hour or whatever. And yeah, I can yeah. hit whatever button. And then there are all the settings that I want for that sort of thing. Now, I feel certain I'll still just be watching TikTok, but it's neat that I'll have that. <laughs> you know that you could do it at any moment. Exactly. I'm with you, Kim, because long, long time ago, when once upon a time in Thomas's life, I used to be a, a photographer for a lot of different things. I love photography. I used to used to use this uh, 35 millimeter with an, a real SLR. I mean, not an automatic. This is just, you got to wind it and everything set the mm -hmm. aperture, the F-stop. Um, this makes my mouth drool. So the iPhone 13 for, as a photographer, this is awesome. I could replace all the cameras I've ever had for something like this. It would be perfect. Well, let's uh, finish up by just, I guess it's the sort of what, what questions Shelley didn't ask, but are there, are there any things, for, well, I'll ask it two different ways. Are there any <laughs> things from the keynote that we didn't hit that you'd like to mention? And alternatively, is there anything that at, at a rumored Apple event, if there was another one this fall, that you'd really like to see? I think I was underwhelmed. Um, I was disappointed that the watch didn't get the new form factor like everything else got the flat edges. I was really kind of looking forward to that. I would have been more appealed to that. I'm also disappointed they didn't have any new sensor. This is kind of unusual. But I guess for what you guys are saying, this being an S model, that makes sense. Um, I suppose I can't expect something every year, but every other year I do expect something. So this is the year that you don't expect something. So I was kind of underwhelmed with that. Um, I was shocked that the AirPod 3.0 did not make any announcement whatsoever on this one. So I would expect that the MacBook Pro 14 and 16-inch models will be coming along with the AirPods. That's what I'm guessing, and that's what I would like to see coming up next. As far as uh, another event, I mean, I would imagine that we're going to see more M something. I don't know if it's going to be M1 or M1X or M2 or whatever, but I would imagine we're going to see more Apple Silicon going to Max. What I want to see, and I wanted to see it you know, at the last event as well, and I talked about it on Mac OS Ken, I think like a month ago, I, 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 we've played around long enough talking about AR. I would like to, I would like to see something come out of that. And the AR tricks that they do are really interesting, especially the one, like I've kind of gotten bored with the AR uh, things that happen in the invitation. The, the one for this time really sort of separated itself from the ones before because usually it's, uh, you know, you, you, you point the thing at the thing and then the logo for the event pops up. And that's fine, but there's nothing really there's nothing really groundbreaking about that. Yeah, I mean, except for the fact that it is augmented reality. I mean, I should stop and say it's really cool. It's just we've seen it so many times. 
the, the one that they came out this time, and I'll try to describe it as best I can. Basically, you pointed your phone at the event page and it gave you that Apple logo that was looking out over the lake and the, and the, and the, uh, and the mountains. You could actually go into that logo and then be surrounded by the lake and the mountains. And then it was kind of difficult. But if you turned around and you were still in the place that it was had recognized as the place that it was doing the AR thing, you were looking back through the backwards Apple logo at the world. So suddenly I've gone through that thing and and I'm now surrounded almost entirely, which is that one little bit left of where I actually live. And that was amazing. And I, I talked myself into thinking they were going to talk about AR in a serious <laughs> way at this event, <laughs> and they didn't. And so it's not they'll do it when it's ready. They'll do it when they're ready to actually talk about something. I'm ready for them to be ready. And so (laughs) basically from now on, and if I, if if you give me like 25 more seconds, this is probably more for like the January or March event. Remember how they used to have January events Yeah. where they would say, here's the iPhone and you're not getting it for six months. Six months. Get in line now. Get ready. (laughs) Right. And hey, here's the iPad. And uh, okay, we'll give this to you in like a month and a half or maybe two months. I can't remember what the wait on was, what the wait was for that. No, it was still January, wasn't it? Because they stopped going to Macworld and then the next January they got up and said, here's an iPad. (laughs) Right. Now go home because we're not doing Macworld. Ah, that's so awful. But I mean, it, it, it might be ridiculous to think, yeah, if they don't have anything to offer, you know what? I'm talking myself out of exactly what I said a minute ago. If they don't have something to offer by Christmas, there's no way they're talking about it at a fall event. So I guess the AR thing I'm expect, I'm hoping will be sometime early part of 2022. So we actually get something maybe by the end of 2022. That's an actual thing besides hold up your phone, which by the way, gets super hot when you're doing AR. But mm-hmm. anyway... I took a very long time to answer your very simple question. <laughs> I, I remember, and I guess this is where my brain is on AR, which is interesting because I actually do have an upcoming show on AR and accessibility specifically. But I remember, and probably it was on Mac OS Ken, hearing about that AR aspect of the invitation and thinking, oh yeah, I have to do that. And I never did it. <laughs> so <laughs> now you've convinced me to go through the looking glass, so to speak. But it is it is interesting that, you know, they've, they've got these Easter eggs for people who want to write about them and do them and talk about them. But they they haven't yet come out, basically. And yeah. I wonder, because there's going to be so much need for developers to be on board, and obviously they're developers who already are, are on board and are, are excited about it, but don't have necessarily yet have the platform... Uh, I, I wonder if we have to wait till WWDC before they talk about it, whether we're going to have to have a developer cycle before we actually are introducing products. I don't know. It's Apple, hmm. so it's hard to say. <laughs> yeah. Apple, Apple going to be Apple. That's the sort of they're going to do. Hmm. Well, uh, Thomas Donville, Ken Ray, it was so great to talk to you both about the Apple event and iOS and all the other operating systems coming forward. And uh, let me give you each a chance to tell people where they can find you online. Ken, how about yourself? Uh, the best two ways are either macosken.com or you can follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash macosken. How about you, Thomas? You can always email me at thomas at applevis.com. You can find a lot of podcasts and different information on related to accessibility with Apple products at applevis.com. You can follow me on Twitter 
Thomas underscore Domville, D-O-M-V-I-L-L-E. And follow me on there. I'm also got a new scene in the dark podcast for those Windows users. Not It's not just specific for iOS users. I'm now covering accessibility on terms of Windows. So scene in the dark, all separate words. You can find that at your favorite podcaster aggregator. Cool. I'll have to check that one out because, you know, we dabble in Windows occasionally on this show. Not, not too right. often, but... Uh, <laughs> Well, you can find this show at relay.fm slash parallel. You can also follow me over at Parallel Pods on Twitter, or you can follow me personally at Shelly, S-H-E-L-L-Y. Your feedback, your guest suggestions, all that good stuff. Welcome. Uh, We'll be back in a couple of weeks with a show I haven't recorded yet. Bye now.